What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCall. I'm also known as BMXC, and this is Nice Minds. I'm with a very, very, very special guest, Mark Schermacher. I got that right, right? Hey, yes, you did, sir. Yes, you did. Love it. How you doing, my dude? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, hanging out here mid-February in uh, Minnesota. A little chilly, but had some sunshine today, so all good. So I became familiar with you on Instagram through a mutual friend, Benjamin K. And uh, you put together a bunch of different projects uh, under your name, Low Key Trampoline. Uh, mm-hmm. They're like different lo-fi projects, and, and you... You stay really consistent and really busy, and it's and it's really impressive, the stuff that you put out and the stuff that you do. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to get you on and just and just talk to you about it. Um, how did you get your start with making music? Well, I guess that goes back a ways. Um, maybe as low key trampoline we're we're talking about, right? You can even go further back. Like, how did you get your start in general? Yeah, you know, I just have been drawn to music all my life. Um, as a kid, I was in choirs for like church groups. Um, I was in school band playing trumpet as a fifth grader up through 12th grade. Um, and the thing happened to me that sort of changed everything was I discovered guitar. Um, maybe like sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade, I was just transitioning out of skateboarding and I found a guitar and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And picking up that guitar um, just kind of blew my mind because I taught myself um, and I took lessons on other instruments. So guitar was kind of my first self-taught instrument. And it, it, it was like a key. It was like I was holding a key in my hand um, and I could hear what people were doing in songs, like listening to the radio as a kid. I was listening to Billy Joel and Foreigner and Night Ranger and Bon Jovi and U2 and all these bands that I'm sure you were grooving on too, you know? Definitely. Um, and I could hear what they were doing, the guitar players. I could hear what the songwriters were doing through using the guitar and even piano as a as a tool. So guitar blew my mind. I started writing songs in um, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, got a couple bands together. And actually, I'm still really good friends with the, the dudes in my first band. We, we called ourselves the Hognanders, which was kind of an inside joke. Um, like a church joke because there was a dude who went to our church who was a pastor and he was kind of a, a philanderer, you know, like womanizing and all this stuff. And his last name was Hognander. So we took that name and thought it was pretty funny. But um, I don't know, since then, man, it's just been bands and um, folk music. I was big into folk music, singer songwriter music. Um, and I started putting stuff out about 2015 as, as Mark Schermacher myself. Um, and playing around uh, college radio stations, going to Michigan and uh, uh, Superior, Wisconsin and Duluth and putting shows on. Um, and um, really just using music as a tool to connect with people and tell stories and tell my story. Um, and um, low key happened uh, a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic. And it was not related at all. I was actually in Nashville, Tennessee um, in about February of 2020. And I was there to meet some producers to work on a new EP for some Mark Schermacher folk stuff. And um, I got home from that and met a couple of really nice, nice people and was planning to go forward on it. And I was really frustrated with how long it took to, like as a songwriter, to have the song, to go in the studio and get a really good sound 
to have someone mix and produce it, which I've done my own stuff in the past, but for this stuff, I really wanted it to be clean. And it's like a five, six month turnaround, you know? And I'm sitting here coming home from this trip to Nashville with all these songs in my brain, just like melodies and, and, and song ideas really unrelated to folk music and, and me as a singer. And I said, screw it. I'm just going to start using my flipping iPhone. And I started recording all the early low key stuff on my iPhone, uh, mixing it on there, dropping it down to waves from there, uploading it to my distributor from there. Um, and so like the first 20 songs of mine were really just all done on the fly, very, very, um, quickly and kind of like in a fever of, of production. And, um, that's how Loki started. Um, and I have not really stopped to, to look back since then. So long answer to your question, bro. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. That's, that's very welcomed on this podcast. Um, I love it. Cause I mean, yeah, you're, you're somebody like me who has, uh, a lot of experience under their belt when it comes to music and production and stuff like that. Cause I am 20 years deep at this point, uh, this mm -hmm. year, I think with production. So right on, bro. I definitely go way back. Um, I mean, I'm sure cause you're a little bit older than me, so I'm sure you even go days before DAWs. I'm sure that you, Oh, uh, you know, it tape machines and my first recording when I knew I, when I picked up that guitar, it was my dad's classical guitar in, in the, the closet downstairs in our house where I grew up, and he never played it. And I saw it in there numerous times, and one time I just pulled it out and kind of opened it up and looked at it. I didn't touch it because I didn't want to screw it up, and I wasn't sure how my dad would feel about it. Um, but once I, once I started playing it, I said, hey, Dad, I'm going to keep this up in my room. Do you mind? And he's like, no, go ahead. So I could figure out some chords. And the first thing I recorded within just a couple of weeks of learning how to play was Simon and Garfunkel's um, Only Living Boy in New York from maybe like their, maybe it's Bridge Over Troubled Water album. But I played it into, I sang and played into a tape deck machine, like the kind that you'd use for your language classes and in, in junior high and high school to listen yep. to the lessons, you know. I recorded it there. And then I put it on my boom box and pressed play really loud and then got this, the original tape deck out, put a new tape in there, recorded that. So it's playing on the boom box and I'm soloing over myself and singing double um, harmonies and stuff. And so like kind of the OG two track recording for myself. Um, I have it somewhere, but yeah, four tracks was huge too. I had a Fostex four, four track tape machine that I would, bounce tracks and get all seven tracks on there seven was the most you could do and it sounded fairly garbagey at the end but um i don't know man there's a lot of soul in there and knowing how to just record basically like that i i thought i still think it really influences how i record now you know i do takes i don't like to cut takes up i try to get a take you know that's the kind of producer i am um, go with the feeling and if it doesn't sound perfect that's going to be okay it's it has the heart in there that's awesome man i mean yeah because i i like to to get people who are you know either my age or older on here and talk about that kind of stuff because i feel like the kids these days have it so freaking easy i mean the tools that that they have or that i you know i have at my disposal now i would have you know freaking loved to have you know 20 years ago when i first got started and i mean I 
I, I got started on a DAW. Um, Reason was my first one, um, but that mm. was before it even had uh, like the capability to record vocals. So that was my first like mm. real DAW. But before that, I mean, I was messing around with like like you said, like tape recorders and stuff like that. I never had like a four track or anything because um, I feel like I was like right on that cutoff age yeah, where, where yeah. like it just uh, I just missed that. But I mean. When you know in the, in the 90s when I was growing up, it you know it was like tape recorders like crazy. I mean that's how I first started getting my love for for you know being creative and and yeah, yeah. recording things. And it was you know either uh, you know handheld recorder or uh, a VHS camera and doing right on, crazy yeah. shit with that. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I found myself like really, especially now that like. I, I feel like a lot of the old school music is coming back. I find myself kind of like digging out my VCR and digging, you know, trying to locate old like oh, tape yeah. recordings that I have and sampling that and shit. I see people posting stuff like that all the time. They're using my old Fostex machine that I sadly threw out 20 years ago and I thought it was done. Um, and that's all come back. And tapes. Did you dub tapes and hand them out too? When I started making music, it wasn't really on tape. I mean, maybe. Maybe it was, but um, I mean, I definitely would make my own mixtapes and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, by re recording things off the radio and recording other tapes and dubbing them. I mean, I definitely that was. Uh, I definitely enjoyed that uh, when I was younger. Um, right on. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just it's just insane that that are you know my generation and the generation before were the last ones to kind of know the rudimentary ways of, of recording music. Now you can have a billion tracks, right? Yep. That's kind of what I like about lo-fi though, um, is I sort of operate under that lo-fi umbrella and there's like lo-fi purists. I'm probably not really a lo-fi purist, but I like that a lot of lo-fi artists are, are minimalist and they maybe have five or six like instruments or, or tracks on a take uh, or on a song. And, that speaks to me because I think simplicity is, is, is powerful, you know, and maybe that's why I feel like I have something to say in this genre is I came from that. I came from, you could get seven tracks. That is the most you could get with a four track tape, unless you string them together, um, which I, I didn't even think about really. It's really interesting that you just started low key trampoline within the last couple of years, because I feel like you're somebody that I see you and, and Ben both, uh, Ben Jam and Beats, uh, once you guys both started in that space, I mean, I feel like you guys just kind of took off with that, and your your both of your network is is just crazy because because the lo-fi community is interesting. I'm just kind of stepping into that space and trying to like yep, you know yep. learn about it and and you know because I'm I'm just I'm a hip hop dude, so I mean it it comes a little naturally um to like you know to the to be in that world, but um. It's crazy because because I mean knowing knowing what Ben was like before meeting all these people and to where he is now it's it's just it's night and day and I'm sure it's probably yeah. the same for you it probably opened up a whole new lane or you know things in your mind and network that you had no idea oh, yeah. even existed yeah I've always been a pure musician um, operator where where I really come at things as a musician I really don't come at them as a producer. I produce because I have these ideas that nobody is going to get for me. I have to get them. I have to put them down. Um, and I was producing my own music for years and years and years, four tracking, putting out my own CDs. 
Um, and then I started farming that out in about 2015. And I put out one, two, three, four or so kind of folk singer-songwriter releases that were in other people's hands entirely. I trusted them and I still do with my singer-songwriter music where they're mixing it and we're going to studios and recording it. And I have mastering engineers working on it and I have artists hired to do the artwork. But Loki was really an attempt for me to reclaim my roots, which is sitting in a freaking bedroom with a guitar and a shitty, you know, cassette tape player and laying down what's on my heart at that moment. And I think that is still the most powerful form of expression. I love my clean singer-songwriter music. I love the people I work with. But Loki is is not filtered. And so as a musician, I can say things that you can't plan to say in the studio in a month when you've booked it. You know, you're going to say it right now because something came up and you're going to get your mic out and you're going to get your keyboard out and you're going to find some loops that you like and you're going to get out this guitar or that kalimba or that didgeridoo and you're going to create it and then you're going to mix it and you're going to say this is that moment and you're going to put it out and um i think it's interesting that you you think that i am consistent um because i see myself as sort of inconsistent actually with with what i produce really maybe i consistently produce music but I think I consistently produce inconsistent music because <laughs> I'm all over the place. I feel like. interesting. Same. I, I I feel like I am too. I mean it, it it's in the it's in the hip hop realm generally. But I mean I I'm I've been dabbling in a lot of like '80s throwback um, jams. You know, like like the weekend would sing over or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And but I also do like really hard trap music, and then I do you know boom bap stuff. And so like I yeah. I'm I'm it's no whatever I'm feeling on any given day is, is what I end up creating. And do you filter yourself when you're making something like say, I want to make this. And then if it doesn't go that way, kind of bend it, or do you just let it go when it's happening and it is what it is? Yeah. I let it go. I just, I, I just yeah. let it turn into whatever it, it turns into. Cause yeah. I'm not the type where I usually, cause I don't often sit down with, with, I mean, sometimes, but, when I when I sit down to make music, it's generally just like like opening up different samples and and letting it go, you know, wherever that sample takes me, basically. Because yep, yep. I, you know, I'm I'm a very sample based dude. I admire that. I cannot work with samples, man. I I've tried and they just confound me. I don't. I feel limited and I don't. I don't know what to do with them. I understand that. I mean, I I definitely wish that I would have started the way that you started, in the um in the you know, real musician space uh, and just just having that knowledge of like how to actually pick up a guitar and play. But um, I mean, it was it was very much like figure it out as I go. And I never actually sat down. I had the discipline to like learn, um, you know, I, I know basic music theory and stuff, but uh, I never had really had the discipline to sit down and like really, really learn how to play piano or like learn how to play any instruments now now it's just like i've i've sampled for so long that i i know exactly what to do and where to take samples but that's a skill bro that is such a cool skill i wish i could do that and i don't have the patience to do that i should but i'm like i just want to play an instrument you know and that's my expression which actually makes it so i think such a good fit when i work with other artists because there's a million artists out there that are better producers than me 100 percent but I think I've got like musician 
skills to offer that other people maybe don't have. So when I hook up with a producer who's fire and who knows samples and who knows beats and maybe comes from like a more traditional, like either hip hop or even true lo-fi background, I can lay some instruments on that thing and we work together and we make something really, really, really interesting. And that's kind of where Loki is. I think my niche is as that artist is to be a musician and a collaborator and let someone else with more chops than me produce it. Um, and that's what I think I'm most happy with when I put stuff out. Although I do like my, my own little stuff that I produce and, and everything, but is definitely not in the genre as much. You know, I don't think as many people hear it when I do it, which is cool. It's still, I do it anyway, just to do it. Cause if I don't, I'm going to explode. Hell yeah. Um, that's messy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's messy. Um, <laughs> I'm like the exact opposite though. Um, so that's why we, we definitely need to collaborate at we some gotta point hook up, man. on something. Cause, cause I, I'm definitely a producer producer. I mean, like I, I can bring any musician in the room and make magic. Like I, and I love it. And see, I mean, cause that's kind of my process. I mean, when I'm working with like Ben or with, uh, with my buddy, Brandon, uh, Cause my buddy Brandon's an excellent guitar player and bassist. So like, I'll, you know, I'll have like a, like a skeleton of a beat or something and I'll kind of know, um, you know, I'll have the basic basics down and I'll just have like Brandon jam over it. Just, just, just playing like yeah, riffs yeah. and just coming up with different stuff. And like, I painstakingly go through and I chop, you know, I chop it up and I like fit it together and mold it together and sample it essentially. Yes, and yes. so like, I'm definitely, that type of producer. I just started working with a dude um, that I don't know very well. Uh, he goes by Keto the Broski on um, Instagram. And he's kind of hip hop, kind of rap. Um, he's kind of expanding now and doing all kinds of different stuff. But I sat down and laid some chords down and then I noodled over those chords with guitar. And then I, I laid some piano down over that. And then I did some other instrument and I sent him all this stuff. And he's basically doing that now. He, he's taking my stuff and he's just sampling it, making his sense out of it. And I love that. I love getting something back that just sounds completely different than anything I could have created, you know. And it's almost like a sample pack, you know, that's kind of yeah. how I see myself. I can play trumpet and banjo and piano and all these instruments, but I don't always know what to do with them on my own. So working with producers like you and other people that I've found is is so it's almost like a, a relief for me and a freedom for me to really just express myself with music. And then once that is done, serve it up to someone else and they can cut it up how they want to and, and then toss it back to me and maybe I'll lay some more sauce on it with something else or whatever, you know, collabs go all different ways. And that's awesome that you have such a respect for sampling too, because oh, I feel yeah. like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would you, cause I don't consider myself a musician. I, I consider myself like a, like an audio, you know, a producer and an audio engineer, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but like people that I feel like, like you, who are true musicians who can like play and, you know, know what they're doing when it comes to that stuff. I feel like oftentimes they'll look down on sampling and, mm -hmm. and uh, not have, not res respect it in the way that it, it should be respected because mm -hmm. like you said, it is an art form and it, and it, oh, it yeah. takes skill and it takes talent to do it well, you know, it takes, it takes years of practice to, to master that, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's part of this low key process for me too, is, is being open to, to 
a lot of stuff that I maybe wasn't 10 years ago as a 30 something year old, you know, like music is music now to me. And I've always felt that, but I haven't always been able to act on that. And that's another aspect I just dig about Loki trampoline is I can do whatever I want to do any genre. I'll take it like that Christmas project I dropped back this past year has auto tune on there from one of my collaborators has like just huge big band orchestra sound from another collaborator, kind of a lo-fi uh, 1950s jazz club kind of guitar bass kind of a thing from another collaborator. And it's all just beautiful to me. I love it. And I don't want to be put in any kind of box you know, and I think I've probably missed some opportunities that way because I, I, I can't produce something more than once or I can't fit into a genre to get playlisted or whatever. But to me, I just love the expression of it and the freedom and the relationships too. Like, you know, working with people in Australia or Japan or Germany or the UK or um, I'm dropping a thing in a couple of weeks with a dude in um, Portugal and we've never met, but I love his sound, and he was receptive to what I was doing, and there it is. It's like this new thing. So, I mean, you were, you kind of touched on some stuff, but um, what are some major setbacks and obstacles you've had to face, like whether in your life or career, that have like you know hindered or slowed you down at all? I have had the fortune of um, of of having. Uh, an illness that took me out of the picture for a good year to about five years, honestly. Um, I'm a cancer survivor, and I'm 10 years clean now, so that's awesome. That's amazing. And it, it right around that time, I was getting back into music, or I wanted, I, that spurred me to get back into music, and it taught me that you can't do everything in your life, so... Um, I don't know. I think it freed me up quite a bit to really go forward with music because I realized I had nothing to lose. Um, and you have to use the time you've got because I just don't know. We just don't know. Um, but limitations, you know, are, um, I would say I, I, I struggle to balance my real life responsibilities, which are my, my wife and kids, um, my family, uh, siblings, parents, I want to keep everyone there safe in my in my reality. I don't want to love music so much that these real things in my life, the people, that they somehow disappear into the background. And and that's a tough thing for me, to be honest yep. with you, because I, I just love the creative space so much, but I can't love that more. I, I have loved that more, and I have seen what it does to people around me and even my own sort of like receptive ability to the world, I think, you know, and we all kind of grew up like admiring artists, I would imagine, like, you know, I grew up certainly idolizing Bob Dylan and these other people who created amazing shit and, and their lives probably fell apart because of it. And I kind of thought maybe that's how it should go for me. But um, thankfully, uh, my wife of many, many years is um, with me and she keeps me on track with that stuff too. And um, there's time to create and there's time to love the people around you. And there's time to just stop and sit in a hammock and do zero work or thinking about music, you know. So just that real life stuff, the balance is probably my biggest hurdle. Really relate to a lot of what you said. Um, 
and my heart goes out to you with the cancer stuff and i'm so glad you beat it man um oh thanks bro me and my girlfriend both have that in common with people close to us um for you know when i first started dating my girlfriend uh her younger brother is a cancer survivor and um uh he's had three bouts of uh osteosarcoma hmm. um and it's uh it's 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 a type of bone cancer and so he he was i think 16 when he first um got diagnosed um and then he he uh he had to get his leg amputated actually um and then he, he he was in uh, remission or whatever for a year and then it came back again and that's when i started dating my girlfriend was the second round hmm. um and then he was like again another year or so in remission and then it came back again hmm. and now he he's also it's been 10 years for him as well this year okay all right congrats he's been um kicking ass when it comes to all that stuff um and i mean you you know this and everybody who listens to the podcast knows I lost my well. My mom died from coronavirus, but she she struggled with cancer, um, which made her mm. you know immunocompromised. Um, yeah, and so I you know the cancer thing is is really close to me in so many different ways. Um, and so so I mean yeah, my heart just goes out to to anybody and like any. Any chance that I get, you know, I'm, I'm I always want to talk about it and hear people's triumphs when it comes to that stuff and yeah, um, just and just talk about it. I'm really uh, thankful that you shared that. Yeah, you know, when I was diagnosed, I kind of made the decision to just really talk about it with people that I came across, and everyone was like, "Oh man, I'm so sorry," and you know, "So sorry you have cancer and this and that." And I I get that, and I I I can respect that too. But where my head was at was like, hey, I, I am okay with this, and it is not cool. It is, it is hurting me. It wanted me dead, and I did the chemo and the surgery. And But along the way, what was happening was I kind of gained this superpower that I could tell when people were hurting really bad, um, whether I was on the phone with them or with them. And w whereas before I might have just maybe not brought it up or whatever, yeah. I I would just say, hey, how's it going? I, you seem kind of bummed out or I can tell you're kind of hurting right now or whatever. And um, I don't know. I just became like really able to connect with people. And I would tell people about my cancer that I was struggling with. And I was all raw, like emotionally and physically because of the chemo and the drugs and the whole nine yards. So you get that. You saw that with your mom, I'm yeah. sure. Um. So I just became super transparent. And honestly, I've been trying to hold on to that transparency a little bit now in my well life. Um, and sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not. And maybe there's a time to not be super transparent. Like you got to kind of protect yourself sometimes. But overall, I feel like it was a blessing because um, people showed up, dude. And and I felt so much love from people um, yeah. that would bring meals over, that would come over and talk to me. Way, people in my family tree that were like, kind of distant would call up and say, Hey, how's it going, Mark? You know, like they'd be my, my great uncle or whatever. And people showed up. And I think yep. if that's what it takes for people to show up, then I will take that hit. You know, I don't want to take it again. I don't want to see cancer come back again, but it wasn't like this, this horrible curse to me at that time. It was, it was honestly some kind of a weird gift 
and I'm glad to be done with it. I don't want to have that gift again, to be honest with you, you know, but I know it just everyone's perspectives about it is so different too. But that was my take. I just want to talk to people about it. I want to be open about it. I didn't want to be awkward about it. Yeah. You know, so maybe I made them feel awkward by bringing it up, but they can leave the room. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, it, no, I think that's amazing. I think that's super important, man. I, and I, I feel like I have become very transparent uh, over the last few years, uh, you know, with my struggles with, uh, with my mom. I mean, because basically I, people are probably sick of me talking about it because I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but I don't care because um, mm-hmm. I, t- I like to talk about it um, and it helps me. Um, mm-hmm. But I basically put my whole life on hold when my mom uh, got diagnosed in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at the time, uh, Nice Entertainment was a record label. Um, and we operated from like as a record label from like 2015 up until 2020. But in 2018, I uh, I really, really had to slow down and I helped my mom. Um, my, my dad did, too. But like when my dad was at work, I was by my mom's side. Um mm-hmm. All because we, me and me and my dad had just a schedule that worked out to where we could, you know, go back and forth with helping my mom and and basically like 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 you said like uh the balance thing. I mean, I I couldn't find time to balance my my music and my passion and my record label with, you know, also helping my the closest person to me and yeah um seeing her go through all that stuff and then um. I kind of tried to piece it back together. You know, I had my own set of struggles when my mom, even when my mom got better, uh, 2019 was just a shit show. But um, hmm. then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I kind of had to to reassess and and take a step back. And um, and I, you know, and especially ever since my mom passed, it it really made me realize, like you said, like like how much more important family and friends are than you know my you know music in general i mean like i i love music and i'll do anything for music but uh, but uh i wouldn't i wouldn't trade those years with my you know those last years with my mom for anything like i i am so thankful that i i slowed my life down and was there by her side you know for literally yeah. the last like three years of her life, you know, like yeah, a lot, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I like you said, like a, a lot of what you said resonated with me, and I and I really uh, empathize with that with that story, man. And I I, I like a thank you for for sharing that, man. Yeah, and I appreciate your transparency too with with it. And you know what, people don't want to hear it, then they can they can they can figure it out for themselves. That's okay, you know. Yep. Like, um, I think talking about cancer and normalizing it, and it's different for uh, a caregiver like you were compared to me. I think, honestly, the caregiving job is a lot harder because you're walking on eggshells all the time. You're yep. responding all the time. You have your own feelings, but they're not really the most important thing at that moment. Yep. Whereas the cancer person, they just get carte blanche. They can kind of do whatever. They can feel whatever. They can say whatever. They get all the attention. Um, so it, it's caregiving is no joke, dude. I, I almost think it's a better gig, uh, or a harder gig than the, than the, the diagnosed person. But you know, when, when it comes to life being shortened, that's, 
that's nothing. Um, that's not cool. I feel for you, bro. Losing your Thank mom. You. That is not okay. I, I don't want to know what that's going to be like for me someday. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's literally been the most disorienting, confusing. It's only it's been uh just a little over eight months now, and it's been it's been it's been a struggle. Um, just kind of figuring like, because because like I said, like I kind of put my whole life on hold, and I and mm. I uh put a lot of things to the side, so I'm kind of stepping into this new world almost like with mm -hmm. like without my mom and you know because she was like a guiding light in my life you know she was like the you know the person that I could confide in about anything that I could be 100% myself around you know we 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 had you know like our our whole like outlook on life and like the way we viewed you know spirituality to like politics to like everything you know mm. it was pretty spot on the same i mean i couldn't remember the last time we had an argument mm -hmm. um which which is another thing that i'm i'm like really grateful for that i um i don't have to deal with any sort of regret in that aspect but mm -hmm. but like i said it just left me in a really odd space so now i'm i i, I literally the way i kind of describe it to people i'm kind of picking up the pieces of my life and figuring out how to like piece it back together into something beautiful you know, and, and, um, kind of recreate myself and, and figure out, figure out what this new chapter of my life is, is going to look like. And it's, it's taking a lot longer than expected, but trying, <laughs> trying not to beat myself up over it. And no, 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 no. Trying to give myself some grace, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's gotta be its own thing, you know, its own pace. I, like anything I would think it, it's going to do its own thing on you, you know, it, when it's ready and all that stuff. Yep. Well, good for you, man. That's that's a that's a that's a tough uh, uphill climb. Um, but I like how you're approaching it. It's kind of like uh, you're seeing it very creatively. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, my creativity hasn't slowed down a bit, man. I mean, like I just like my one of my goals, is, as silly as it is, is to uh, is to well, my ultimate goal is is Grammys, but um, mm -hmm. we can get into that later. But um, my, one of my my micro goals is to to learn TikTok this year um because oh, yeah. my, my brother is super into it my girlfriend is super into it and they're always like there's so many creatives on there like you know you're always making beats and talking about your beats and stuff you should like get on there and and i i made a um i used to my mom used to always bug me about well not bug me but we used to always talk about digitizing our vhs tapes because i mean she literally yeah she was obsessed with um with recording everything. I mean, from the time yeah. like my brother was born uh, in 88 until like 05, like everything is videotaped. You just put a video thing up on TikTok yeah. a couple hours ago. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so I was just getting into that. So it it's definitely put like a whole new, like a whole new thing creatively on like what I'm doing now because I, I have, you know, the ability to record all these VHS tapes and I'm getting like inspired to you know make tiktoks out of it and um you know even i i even sampled uh some weird glitch sound that i heard on the vhs tape oh yeah uh, and i'm and i'm planning on doing that a lot um so it's kind of giving me like a whole new like like sampling ideas and content yeah, yeah. ideas and and just kind of yeah it's it's really interesting how how much this 
and I and I put out a song called Melancholy Sunshine, which I think I showed you. I have heard it, yeah, about about your mom. I appreciate you checking it out. Bit at the end with her voice on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Just absolutely. Oh man, I just I think I I probably literally cried, if not had to sit there and like debate how I was gonna cry, if I was gonna do like full on man cry or just like maybe tear up a little bit or whatever. But so beautiful to hear her voice and that you included that in there and Oh man, just great, great. Thank you, man. Yeah, I, I really, I, I really just wanted to put my all into it, and I, I, I'm glad that it, it was received exactly the way that I intended it, because, um, because I, I, I feel like I've never, I mean, and that, that was the power of, of my relationship with her is I've never made a piece that I feel th- has done that for other, you know, countless other people, like has, mm-hmm. has touched them in that way. You know, I, I put out music that people have enjoyed and, you know, uh, people liked coming to my shows and all that stuff. But I feel like I've never put out something in that, that with that much emotional depth, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to have that effect on countless people. So it, it was really humbling to, to hear, um, people say that about the, the song, feedback. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly what i had uh intended what advice would you give to younger creatives who are trying to get their start with music like what do you wish that you would have known either back in the day or when you started low-key trampoline even you know i i guess the advice i would give young producers out there who are making tracks right now and, and dropping them is um to not pursue perfection with with your with your tracks um it's it's going to hold you back from um development if, if you're trying to be perfect in, in this track and get the absolute perfect mix and we want it to sound good you know you want it to be like balanced right and you want to have everything in its place but the pursuit of perfection is not um useful for growth um and so i think being comfortable with human uh, elements of your songs, of your beats. Um, maybe not everything doesn't have to be exactly polished and perfect for you to start releasing music. Um, and also, I think we give a lot of credit and a lot of weight to what how our song is doing on Spotify. And I, I love seeing numbers on Spotify. I love... Um, when a song is successful there, but that's one measure. And, um, you know, for a while, uh, the, the vinyl record was the measure and, and they're kind of coming back, but they disappeared off the planet of the earth for like 25 years, you know, um, CDs were the measure for a while. Um, eight track tapes were the measure for a while. So I don't see these specific streaming platforms being around forever. Um, and I just hate to see artists um, measuring their own value on how many streams they got on Spotify. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's a, a personal thing um, that doesn't have any place in this kind of conversation, but um, I don't know. And also trust other people, you know, trust other artists to do stuff with your with your sound if, if you're collaborating and I, I honestly i guess i would say collaborate too. open yeah. yourself up to collaboration because it's not going to be what you thought and can we be okay with that 
because we're going to be creating some really interesting stuff if we can let go of our own hangups and hand a piece of music or a mix to somebody else and let them, you know, have their thing too. So I'm all about community and I really love when, when artists can let go of their hangups or their own, like we all have our things that we're really good at. And if we can let go of that or, or pass that off onto somebody else, you never know what, what's going to happen, you know, like really, really cool, magical, creative juice getting squeezed out of that piece of fruit, you know, in my experience. So, and not everyone's a collaborating type. I think that's cool too. Like some people have a really strong vision and they're just killing it out there and they're, they know what they want and, and it sounds great. Um, but collaborate, don't be afraid to, uh, you know, to sound bad sometimes too. Like the first 20 songs I made as low key are just kind of like, I listen to them now and I can't even listen to them. Um, I'm thinking of pulling them down, honestly, because I don't, I don't want them out there. But part of me is like, you know what, dude, it's a journey. It doesn't have to be perfect, like mm -hmm. my own advice. So right now they're all up there for the whole world to, to gawk at if they want to. Yeah, I think that's great advice, actually. I mean, everything that you said, I mean, like a spot on. Uh, I especially, I mean, the, the other things were a little deeper than this, but I especially like the the spotify thing that you added because i do think people put so much weight into this one streaming platform when there is so many other streaming platforms like i don't even use spotify mm -hmm. so like it spotify numbers mean nothing to me the only time that i i use it is if somebody sends me a spotify link you know or like something like that or you know sometimes there's like a podcast on there or something or you know whatever but uh spotify isn't even like really part of my consumption so yeah. i you know coming from from my perspective it's very looking at the numbers is a very overrated one-sided one-dimensional thing mm -hmm. so yeah man i think i think that that's all great advice and i think that that's spot on uh in collaboration man i mean collaboration is is my favorite thing when it comes to music. Like, I mean, I, I enjoy doing it by myself and stuff like that and being in my own little zone, cooking up and stuff. But I mean, it's nothing like, you know, sending something to Ben or my buddy Brandon or, you know, whatever and getting stuff back and just hearing like, holy shit. Or like yes. my, uh, my song that I talked about, Melancholy Sunshine, I had my friend Brian Mingy mix it. And Mingy's uh, been mixing for like 15 years he's one of like paisley park's main live mixing engineers so like to hear him send that back you know and was just like holy yeah. shit like it just Mind brought blowing. a whole different life to what i created you know and and really brought it home so i nice. think i think collaboration is a very um undervalued thing that that i think more people should uh should take pride in and, and do more often Yep, I'm with you, man. Well, man, it's been amazing to talk to you, man. Uh, you're a great guy, and I like I I just had to get you on, and and I appreciate uh, your time tonight. Do you have any? I like to give everybody the last word, even though you I know you just kind of probably had your last <laughs> word. But do you have anything like any other things to add, or anything you want to plug, or anything you got coming up? Well, I got a new singer songwriter EP coming out. All this talk about Loki trampoline. Um, and, uh, I'm kind of going on both roads here, but I got a new kind of folk singer songwriter EP coming out on April 12th 
produced entirely by a lo-fi genius producer named um, Nate Two Times um, down in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's a different, it's like really fusing my low-key, my love of lo-fi and low-key trampoline with my singer-songwriter roots. Um, and so I sent him the songs. He did the lo-fi thing to them. And so it's kind of like uh, folk music through a lo-fi lens. It's super weird, super beautiful. I think it turned out really great. Um, and then uh, I just follow me on Instagram, uh, low-key trampoline, and reach out to me if you're listening and you want to collab um send some tracks my way i'll send you some tracks we'll put some stuff out together create a new thing being creative is fun it's awesome it's the best so um and bro brandon thanks man so much for for carving this time out in your your podcast schedule and i look forward to sending you some uh a sample pack we'll call it a sample pack for you to play with cut it up and we could do something cool that'd be great absolutely man i'm ready when you are man send it over i'm i'm beautiful uh, more than willing man thank you so much for your time man i appreciate you back at you and uh we'll see you on the socials out there